Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to First Time Dads. I am, as ever, Richard Innes. And I'm Steve Mile. Uh, and yes, this week we are joined by a very special guest. Yeah, we have uh, Bev Turner, who is a LBC radio presenter, author of The Happy Birth Book, Mum of Three, and a wife. A wife. I am a wife. I'm glad you put it in that order. A lot of people tend to describe me as, we've got James Cratnell's wife here. Oh, she also has a couple of jobs that she does as well. So thank you, boys. You're winning from the hashtag, start. Hashtag modern day sexism. Um, <laughs> before, before we get into a, a, an in-depth discussion with Bev about parenting and, and dadding and mumming and all the rest of it, um, Steve does have some have, have a bit of breaking news for yes, our regular Yes, it's, it's very apt, actually, as two become three for the podcast today that uh, I can reveal that my wife and I are expecting a little girl Woo-hoo. during April. Woo-hoo. You had so, sex. You had yeah. sex. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I had done. to look back at my diary to check. That <laughs> <laughs> it was you. <laughs> but yes, indeed, indeed. I'm just about to double the trouble. Oh, Which what is, are you yeah. thinking? Tell me what I've got to look forward to. Look forward to? Or what you've got yourself into? Yeah. Probably a bit of both. Yeah. I always think once you've had your first child, you've made all your major sacrifices. There is no spontaneity left in life anymore. There's none of that impromptu pub after work. Mm. There's none of the going to the gym at the weekends. Or you you can't have a conversation with your wife without being interrupted. You probably can't have a conversation with your wife that isn't about the baby. Mm-hmm. You've done all the major yes. stuff. So actually, the second babies are so much easier. You will be so much more relaxed as a parent. You won't be stressing about every little sniffle and whether they've slept for two hours or three or four. Second babies just fit in. To the schedule. Okay. I promise you, it will be easier than the first. See, I've, I've heard, I've heard otherwise. I've got brothers yeah. who've got multiple children, <laughs> which is an odd way to put. It. <laughs> but they've, they've all, they've all done that thing with me, and I'm sure you've had this, Steve, where it's the, because uh, uh, whenever I've had a moan, as dads do, and I'm sure we'll come to, come to talk about this, have a moan about how difficult things are. Oh God, I haven't slept. Oh, I haven't done this. I've heard time and again, oh, you, oh, you, you've only got the one. Wait until you've got number two. But I don't. I think number two sometimes squares the circle. There's mm. something about that craziness of having the four of you in the house well, which means may- you just have to surrender sometimes yeah. to the chaos maybe maybe it delineates the the jobs in a way because you've got one each yes to take care of it's not is it my turn is it your turn there's no turns that's right. because you're at it all the time yeah and it, it of course in that respect it can be more of a challenge on the relationship because you both have responsibilities, so you both get less downtime than you might already have. At the moment, if you do that, like baton parenting at the weekend, where one of you has the baby while one of you might, I don't know, go to the gym or mm. go for a run or have five minutes peace or just, mm. you know, you can't really do the baton parenting in the same way mm. unless you're leaving one with two, obviously. But um, it's three is the major step. Three is the straw that breaks the camel's back. <laughs> or not. Oh, it does. Three is nuts. So just be really careful before you go for number three, yeah. is all I'm saying. Well, I get think, used to two first. Yeah, I think. I think we, I mean, we, I could in a couple of years' time be uh, eating my words, but um, we spoke about before my wife and I about if this one turned into a boy, yeah. it was going to be a boy, that might still leave the door open mm. to go again because my wife would like a little girl. Yeah. Um, but so when that 
it, you're having a girl with the, mm. the, uh, the the scan guy said you're having a girl. It was a relief, <laughs> happy relief, because <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, we we can we can fit a third one in our house, but it would mean sacrificing a room for other things. Yeah. Yeah. We might have to lose a kitchen. Um, yeah. Long story short, you've already booked in the vasectomy. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that. That's, that seems a little extreme. <laughs> I'm already thinking about that after number two. Yeah. Do you know, I think I think three is a different conversation, probably for another day when you find yeah. you're having another one. Um, but actually, I think there is no greater moment in life for me than when you introduce your child yeah. to their new baby sibling, yeah. because you are basically saying to them, "You will never be alone again." Yeah. Even if they hate each other in the fullness of time, which they will intermittently, mm. that blood is thicker than water thing is yeah. great. And to give your child a sibling is such an amazing gift. Like we left quite a big gap between number one and number two. No, I was number one was such a shock. I couldn't believe the sacrifices that we had to both make. We hadn't had any conversations about childcare or, you know, division of labour. I was completely deluded and thought, well, we've made this baby together. We will therefore share them. 50% of the time. Well, that turned out to be complete bollocks <laughs> because James went and rode across the Atlantic when yeah. Croyd was sort of yeah. 18 months. So he went away for 50 days. So, you know, it took us a long time to reconcile how to be parents together mm. and keep a sense of our own identities mm. as well. And then when Croyd was about five-ish, I kind of panicked and went, oh, God, he needs, well, he needs a sibling. He needs a sibling. And James and I were in a better place, everything professionally, financially, in terms of our relationship. And so we then had Kiki, our little girl. And it really was brilliant. She really was a joy compared to the first time around mm. when it was all fighting and competitive tiredness. Mm. And second time, we were much more in it together. And then we yeah. had the third, you know, mm. couple of years later. Mm. Mm. Um, but that moment when I remember, because we had a lovely home birth with Kiki and, and Croyd came back with my parents and Kiki was about half an hour old and my mum and dad came in. It was Mother's Day. It was mm. lunchtime. It was in the sunshine. It was nice. really was idyllic. Yeah. And um, he came in and there's this little baby and we've got these amazing photos of his face when he yes. sees this child because he'd been an only one for five years so you know and it was just the most amazing moment does that when, stick in your mind more than the birth of your first child it was more pleasurable than mm. the birth of my first child it was a more pleasant moment mm. like the, the birth of Croyd first births are quite hard work yeah quite scary and although really scary and although it was straightforward and it was natural etc it was really full on and it was it was I was quite shocked afterwards by quite how painful it had been <laughs> um, yeah. and it also amazed that your body could do that mm. um, but that that, but of course, because it's your first birth and you do have quite mixed emotions about what you've just gone through and how this is going to affect your life. Whereas by the second birth, which was brilliant, he was just there and there's this gorgeous little baby girl and it's just the most amazing yeah. moment. Introducing yeah. them. I'm looking forward to that because I think Jackson's a really sociable little boy yeah. and he really likes playing with other kids at nursery yeah. and he's fascinated by babies. If he sees one, he goes over and looks. We've yeah. tried to teach him like gentle hands so he like can stroke their faces yeah. and if he's Perfect. got his milk with or drink with him, he offers it to the baby. Oh. And in the morning <laughs> he comes into the bed with us and has like, you know, a banana and some milk and yeah. stuff and we say, say hello to the baby and he waves at the bump Aww. which is which is cute um, and so I'm looking forward to that I mean I've got a brother so, and I know that you know my brother and I have been through some tough times in our lives it's good to have that blood yeah. you're right blood is thicker than water yeah. and it will be good for him to have that uh, and, and especially when so you're older to, but do you find I'm in, really interested in a blood thicker than water thing because <clears> I'm, I've got two brothers and a sister and there's definitely that 
uh, there's definitely that idea that you know even if you didn't we're all very close but even if you didn't see each other for five years yeah. immediately you'd be yeah. you know you'd be back together whenever required yeah do you find that because I've not seen it you know I've, I've only got the one son do you find that then from the get-go from from a really young age I'm wonder, I'm wondering how much of that is kind of ingrained in them over the years in terms mm. of the family dynamic yeah. or how much of it is just inherently there I think I think you kind of do model that behaviour to your kids mm. so I'm really close to my brother and sister and between us we've got the seven cousins and so uh, pretty much every weekend we're together mm. and so if my daughter and son are fighting which they often are kicking mm. you know 10 bales of crap out of each other and I kind of get involved and I'll say I would never talk to Uncle Lady like that mm. and you can see them go oh yeah you probably wouldn't would you I mean I did when I was a child <laughs> they don't need to know that because I'm teaching them <laughs> this idea to this yet then, yeah no. but I'm kind of teaching this idea that you should be friends with your siblings yeah. because yeah. you choose to be not because you have to be yeah. but because you get along yeah. and sometimes I think when you look at the kids you know like I say they fight a lot the girls are quite close because they're very close in age as well and we've got this big age gap so the littlest is six and Croy's 14 yeah. so we've got that big age gap there's not a lot a six, a six year old and a 14 yeah. year old can do that they both enjoy there, yeah. pretty much go swimming that's it yeah. that's the one thing that they can do yeah. together um, but when when they are arguing and when they are they are having tr- having difficulty, I think the most important thing is to make sure they clear the air afterwards. And I think that's one of the reasons that me and my siblings are close is because my mum never let anything fester. Yeah. Mm. She's an amazing mum. She always was, and she continues to be. She she's so much better than I will ever be. I am a terrible mother compared to my own mother. <laughs> and what she did really cleverly was that if any of us were fighting, she would get involved. She would find out. She would listen. She would say, "You shut up while I hear from her what happened." Yeah. And now you shut up while I hear from her. And kids have that sense of injustice if they yeah. feel like they're being punished for something they haven't done. Yeah. And then she would say, "Right, you're at fault." She's like a judge. Really really yeah. you're at fault you aren't da, da, da. right you know have a hug like, here's a biscuit yeah. go and play that's like teachers that's how teachers deal with yes. it isn't it yeah. from yeah, my it recollection is. it is and my mum's yeah. always worked with kids so yeah. that's interesting. but that conflict resolution is so important and I think if you teach kids that from when they're very young even as toddlers and, and you know young reception age year one age kids if they get into the habit of forgiving their siblings for stuff nothing mm. festers is that something as a sort of strategy that you and James both I'm just curious about where James's role is in it you know in terms of as the father do, is that something that you've had to kind of sit down and figure out or discuss together yeah. I've, in terms of sort of you know being I've, on the same side he's He's seen me do that, and and we've talked about the fact that my mum did that, and so he's very much, he gets that. Mm. It probably isn't as natural to him to go Mm. and do it. If he's there overseeing the kids and something happens, he's more likely to just shout a bit, sort it out, move Mm. on. It it isn't easy, and I don't always get it right. I don't always remember to do it, Mm. but I think if you can do it the majority of times, if you you can more or less make sure that there's nothing festering, because there's nothing worse than when you get to teenagers. And then you're slinging mud at each other out over something that happened when you were 10 years old. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've never had that. Yes. And so, you know, I can be in the room with my brother and sister and there's no big white elephant. There's no, and there was that one time at Christmas <laughs> when you, you know, there's nothing. Mm. And that's quite, that's all credit to my mum and dad for making that happen because yeah. that's really unusual. And I, I don't know whether I'll manage to, to get it right or whether James and I will, will manage to get it right. But I think it's such a simple thing to try and do with your kids. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm. It makes sense when you explain it like that. Definitely, I think, clearing the air. I mean, as adults... Yeah, it's important if we have a disagreement with someone 
whether or it be husband partner, and wife as well. Yeah, yeah. whether yeah. it be your partner or, or whoever, that you, you can clear the air and yeah. just move on and it doesn't get toxic. And kids are competitive, you know. That's the trouble, is that children compete with each other, especially if they've got a cracknell gene pool, let me tell you. <laughs> and so um, so my kids will automatically try to compete with things, and I, with uh, over little silly things. And I think as parents, you have to be really alert to them mm. competing with each other. And um, we have this phrase in our house, which is, compete with anybody else outside of this family. Do not compete with each other. Mm. And right. just, I just yeah. tell them all the time, compete with anyone you want outside. Mm. Do not compete with each but other. But you see, you hinted before as well, and, I, and it struck a chord with me, because it, it's the same with me, that there can be competition almost between the parents sometimes. Oh, completely. And, I, and I've, I've found that I'm starting to find that where there's almost, you know, the, the competition over who's more tired or the competition yeah. over who's had a worse day or the yeah. competition over who should be doing this and who should be doing that. And I think that's really that's really important to it's resolve really as well. It's really important. And, you know, when when the reason I wrote the Happy Birth Book is because I run this antenatal course in Chiswick, so I do an equivalent of... Well, it's like NCT, but better. Yeah. Um, and so, and we have dads at every session. That was really important to me. When the midwife and I started the content of the course with a blank piece of paper, we wanted dads at every session. And we do a particular night on, we do one of the sessions, which is life with a newborn. And a lot of other antenatal courses, when you do life with a newborn, we'll talk about how to change a nappy, how to run a bath, how to make a bottle. We do a bit of that. But predominantly what we talk about is your emotional resilience and what you're going to need when you've had your baby. And I always say to the couples, you can't picture it now as you sit here with your big bumps and you love each other. Once you've got a baby, there are so many ways in which you can let each other down on an hourly basis mm. because you start to view that person not as the person you fell in love with who was just fabulous, but you view them through the, through the prism of whether they're a good parent. Mm. And so it works both ways. It's not just the moms looking at the yeah, dad the judgment. Yeah. and thinking, you haven't changed the nappy bin. You haven't even been out and bought the extra formula. You know, you've, you've left your sweaty kit on the floor. It's not just that. It's also dads who are thinking... I really think she should have breastfed for longer. Yeah. I really think there are yeah. other mums who are doing this better than her. Mm. You know, I'm sure there are other men who are getting sex by now. Like the men do it yeah. as well. Mm. And, I, and I always say to the couples on the course, please do not expect each other to be psychic. Yeah. No. That is the key. This is the thing. This is really interesting because, you know, it, it, with the news that another baby's on the way, <clears throat> brought with it a bit of stress to me and a nervousness about it. And it's sort of. Uh, manifested itself in perhaps you know crosswords with passive the aggressive behaviour. Yeah, passive aggressive behaviour. And this weekend, Jackson went away with his grandma for two nights. It was the first time that he's stayed away from us, and we've been away independently of when he's been at home with the other one. But the yeah. first time, just us two have been at home without him. And part of it was designed so that he can be with Graham when when wife goes into labour and there's somewhere for yeah. him to go. But the other thing was let's get some time to ourselves because you know my. My uh, mother-in-law would quite happily, I'm sure, take the baby and Jackson, but that's a lot of an ask. Um, And I couldn't see a point at which my wife and I would be able to spend any time, just us, overnight, wake up, have a conversation, that kind of stuff. So let's try and get a few in. And we ended up having a conversation just on a sort of Saturday afternoon. I think I was was doing some cleaning or something like that, or or some DIY. And my wife said, look, we had a really nice time this weekend, because... It has been stressful, and you have been a stress head, mm. and it's just been nice. And I was, said, well, okay, yeah, it, I think you're right, it has been. I said, I felt, and I'm sure a lot of dads will, will think this as well, that my wife and I got together, and that's the most important thing, my wife and I, and then Jackson arrives, yeah, and then, then there's work as well. And out of those three things, your relationship, your relationship with children, and work, unfortunately, it was a relationship with my partner, wife, that was 
giving. Always. That was going because Always. the two other two are non-negotiable. Absolutely. Because I have to go to work yeah. and I have to look after Jackson because yeah. he can't look after himself. So the thing that drops down is us. Yeah. So I said, we just need to make sure there's yeah. some time for yeah. Do you know what this that's, conversation. That's really interesting because I've, I've been struggling a little bit the last month or so with something and it's, it's basically, you've just hit the nail on the head there, that the thing I enjoy the most is my relationship with my wife. Yeah. And as much as I love my son, and I do, I love him with all my heart, mm. I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy being with my wife almost more than I enjoy being with him at the moment. And that's okay. And, that, and that's really difficult. It's actually quite difficult to say out loud, actually, yeah. as I was saying that. Um, and obviously work comes in yeah. third. You know, much as yeah. if my boss is listening, <laughs> as much as I love my job, that comes in third. And actually, as you say, naturally, through the, the process yeah. of day-to-day living, the relationship with my wife has to drop to the bottom in terms of priority. And, and that can, is really, that's really difficult to It's accept. really hard. And you can be in the room with that person and you still miss them. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's really difficult. Yeah. You think, yeah. how can I miss you when you're mm. here? Yeah. But you have no genuine connection. Like, I think one of the things that happens so much when we have children is that we don't even look each other in the eye. Yeah. Like a whole week can go by and you don't look your partner mm. in the eye. Yeah. Like James and I will, we can have, especially with three kids at home, you know, we can be, we're, we're in the room together, one of us is cooking, yeah. one of us is sorting out a PE kit, one of us is shouting at the other one who's doing headstands against the wall with his trainers on, you know, we don't look each other in the eye. Mm. And so weeks can go by and just that simple connection is mm. so important yeah. to keep it going. It's absolutely yeah. paramount. Um, and when I say don't be psych, don't expect your partner to be psychic, what I mean is it's just about that honest communication. And it's exactly yeah. saying that and not being afraid to say to your to your wife or your girlfriend, you know, I really miss you. I yeah. miss us. Mm. Yeah. It's such a powerful think... thing to say. And then and also, I think, you know, I, I say in the book about putting notes on the fridge, because if you are like ships in the mm. night and it might be as simple as, yeah. you know, we need milk, you know, um, you know, pick up the dry cleaning. Please give me a kiss when you come home tonight. Yes. <laughs> and it's what yeah. just saying what it is yeah. that you need because yeah, yeah. and actually starting lots of sentences with I because we all get into that really passive aggressive and aggressive <laughs> conversational style where yep. we start with you. Yep. James does it all the time. So if he comes in the home and uh, and I'm saying, you know, well, where have you been all day? I thought you were going back, in. and he'll be like, yeah, but you said that, that, that or <laughs> you you went out last week, and I and yeah. I'm now I'm trying to say we start with I, so and I don't handle it well, so then I will say. I was really upset when I came home thinking you would be here and you weren't mm. because I was really looking forward to seeing you. Mm. And that changes it straight mm. away. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then he won't say, well, you, he'll go, I'm really sorry. I was looking forward to seeing you too. Mm. And then it's yeah. just that very yeah, simple. Simple, yeah. simple tool. Because if it? you start sentences with you, people get really defensive yes. and aggressive. And it, and it automatically means you go bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Everyone's tired. Everyone's at the, got no wiggle room. We're at the end of our tether. Yeah. And so actually, just these oh, yeah. little tiny things can help the, the, the show one, on the road. I remember this from when Jackson was born in the first few months of just saying, start every conversation with, so we're both really tired. That's Before we start idea. this conversation, <laughs> we're both really and tired. Like, yeah, but I'm more tired than you. <laughs> and then you remind yourself that you're not operating in what I describe as normal, normal <laughs> yeah, circumstances. There is no, there is no more. There is normal. no more. Well, I mean, it gets it gets better. I suppose I mean, you, you know you're, to, you have to find your normal. Well, there's you? a reason why sleep deprivation is a torture yeah, technique. Well, exactly. Yeah. Because you do start to lose your mind yeah. and your perspective. And actually, I think calling on grandparents to have them once in a while mm. is absolutely we're, paramount we, we've got to get to that uh, funnily enough I had this conversation just yesterday with my wife and said we've got to get to a point where we can just have one night together you know yeah. where, where we can leave him with, with grandma and granddad for a night for a night would be and do you know what the, on the passive aggressive thing the one that 
the one that's really uh, that's causing a bit of a bone of contention between us at the moment is the talking through the baby. <laughs> so the one where I think yesterday I've got a bad back and my back went again, and I was so oh. I, I was so annoyed my back had gone again. Yeah. I was just I thought I, would, I thought I was anyway. My back is neither here nor there. I was annoyed. Yeah. And I think I had the cat basket or something in my hand and I sort of flung it against the wall, which sounds more dramatic than it is. It was like a soft cushion You thing. nearly killed the cat. No, no the cat was the cat in the basket. Just to clarify, the cat was nowhere at oh, okay. not fine, in the room. Fine, fine. The cat was okay. not in the room. Do I was not... moving. I happened to be picking down to pick up this like cat. It's like more like a cushion than a basket. I see. And I picked it up and as I picked it up, my back went and I was like, oh, for God's sake. And I sort of just hit the wall with it. So I hit the wall with a cushion, right? <laughs> Just to clarify, before anyone thinks yeah. I'm a lunatic and call social services. And Lindsay, my wife, and Ben were on the other side of the room. Yeah. So I didn't even think Ben would have seen it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even think he'd have noticed. Because it, it made no noise. It was a yeah. cushion hitting the wall. But clearly he'd been looking at me, because I had my yeah. back to him. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd seen it, and he started crying. Right. So of course, immediately, my heart sinks. Because I think, oh man, I've upset him, and that, that's really bad. Damage him psychologically. Yeah, and you immediately start thinking, yeah. right, that's you know, that's him at a shrink in 30 years, remembering no, the time daddy no, did that. Because no, no. I do that sort of thing a bit. Yeah. I can get quite irritated. And... Um, and of course, Lindsay's thing was now all she was doing was reassuring him, but yeah. she's talking to him, saying, "Daddy didn't mean it, you know. Daddy's okay. Daddy's not really angry." And of course, she's doing the right thing because she's reassuring our son. But what I'm hearing is you're judging me through the prism of our child. You're yeah. basically like you're basically putting that judgment on me because what you're saying to him, you're actually saying to me. Did you turn around to him and go, "Listen, man up, kid. <laughs> this is what it's like <laughs> no, being a bloke. Went, You've got all this to look God, forward no, to." No, I went and gave him a cuddle and a kiss and, and said sorry to him and said it's all right. You know, daddy's <laughs> really you ignore completely ignoring your wife? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can. Yeah. I, I yeah, can yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know what? I do think we worry too much about the psychological impact that we have on our children. Mm. Kids are really resilient. Now. It is everywhere, and, and it's so nice to hear that men are tortured by it as well. The pressure is unbelievable. I am so consumed by guilt. And pressure, Don't guilt be. and pressure, all the time. So everything we could do I do, I think I'm having a negative. Oh God, yeah. every podcast could be. I think I, I'm having a negative impact on him because of this, this, this. So everything I do, I'm thinking about how it's affecting him. Kids need very little. Mm. They need love. Yeah. And they need you. They and you know what? An experience of normal human relationships for kids. Is healthy. Mm. My mum, again, I don't, you know, my mum's a bloody guru on this, clearly, but she said something to me about um, twice as many cuddles. She was really straight with us, mm. but she said, but you always got twice as many cuddles as tellings off. Mm. And if you do that, yeah. it's fine. So they can see anger yeah, in the yeah. house and they can see discipline. Yeah. They can have firm boundaries. As long but as, as long the as positive you, stuff yeah, outweighs the negative. That's it. It's yeah. really I do, simple. I do think it's, they want you. I think that is underpinning everything. And mm. we, we, gone back to this number of times mm. and it's not always easy. Rich and I went to some, uh, a thing about parental research last week, didn't mm. we? Yeah, yeah. And God, no wonder you feel guilty this time. <laughs> I'd avoid those sorts of things. It was to do with advertisements and representing parents and one ad they showed was a load of kids got asked to write letters oh, to yeah, Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And asking for what they wanted and they gave a letter. And then the researchers asked them to write a letter to the mum and dad oh, no. to ask them what they wanted. And the kids were the they, kids were initially baffled. Yeah, they baffled. didn't get it. What do you mean? And then so they obviously for the kid the Santa Claus it was like toys and stuff. To mum and dad, what do you want for mum and dad for Christmas? I want you to spend time oh, with me. Oh no, I knew you, know, you were all say that, that kind of yeah. stuff. And then I want daddy to come home for dinner. Yeah. I want to play football with dad on Saturday. And this is just normal kids. And then the killer was, if they only got to send one letter, which letter would they send? And they all obviously went mum and dad letter. Yeah, yeah. But there is some. we were all sat there, a big auditorium full of you know, a lot of parents, and we all sat there, and it, as you just reacted, oh, it, it, it resonates with you, because you know, no matter how, how hard you work, 
you know that actually all they really want is for you to just hang out with them. It's true, but it's really boring hanging out with kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. It's really, yeah. really boring hanging yeah. out with kids. Yeah. I have such a low threshold for jigsaw time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I never forget being in the town hall in Chiswick doing Amanda's Action Kids and walking around the room when, my little, when Croyd was little, um, 18 months or so, and all these women walking around shaking bloody maracas or rubber yeah. spiders and singing the wheels on the bus go round and round. Yeah. And I thought, how many degrees are in this yeah. room? Yeah, yeah, right. How many that, degrees yeah, yeah. are here? We have all studied to a really high level yeah. and we are now spending our days singing the wheels on the bus go round and round. Yeah. And I remember feeling absolutely claustrophobic totally mm. oppressed mm. by this lack of intellectual stimulation mm. I found it really hard mm. and I think men and women find it hard and none of us are completely honest about how difficult mm. it is it's a total joy to me when I meet dads like you mm. who are helping to share that burden of parenting mm. because actually it's sharing the monotony more than anything else yeah yeah I'm like I'm a big advocate of get out of the house totally get out of the house and look there's some good apps around where you can yeah. tell you what's going on in the areas and if it looks like it might be slightly adventurous for Jackson then we're off yeah. if there's some sort of gymnasium we can go to that he's He's at the sort of bottom level of the age range. I'm like, right, let's go to that because yeah. it's going to be stimulating. And also, mm. as we all know, if you knacker them out, swimming. they sleep. Swimming is the best thing for little <laughs> for little boys, especially little yeah. girls. Like, take them swimming as toddlers. Yeah. They get in the hot air. They and it's good for us as well. You know, we enjoy it, and and they get and then I they need sleep. to take notes on this. He's just worked. Sleep he, all the he goes way to home. lessons. I take him to lessons every Friday. Something, and part of the lessons is to pull yourself out of the water. If there's one activity that's going to knacker him yeah. out more than anything, <laughs> as we all know, him and him, him pulling and yourself yeah. out of the water. Yeah. And so I'm like, go on, pull yourself out of the water, <laughs> turn around and then come back in backwards. Pull yourself out of the water. Yeah. By the end of it, he's like... Keep me like, up, Daddy. Keep me up, for God's sake. He's asleep by the time he pushed the pusher out of the... See, I'm, I'm at that stage with Ben where he's he's just trying to get the hang of crawl. He's kind of like trying to crawl and walk at the same time, oh. which is kind of weird. So he's eight, he's eight and a half months. And I keep thinking, when people tell me about these things, I keep thinking, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. That sounds good. Because at the moment, it's, you know, I, I sort of pull funny faces and make silly noises. And he laughs a lot, which is great. He's yeah. a really fun-loving kid, which is brilliant. That's exactly what we want. Um, but you can't even have a conversation with him. You know? No. Mm. So it's that I, I like the idea of getting to that point of mm. like the activities where you can actually do it things. It is more fun. Kind of I it. think it is more fun. I mean, everybody's different, aren't they? Some people love the baby baby stage where they mm. just sit and coo and do nothing. And then some people like it. I love it when they start to talk. Mm. That interaction, the conversation. Mm. And in fact, now I really love my eight-year-old because you can have brilliant conversations with her. Yeah. You know, I love spending time mm. with her because she's really insightful and she's funny and sarcastic and cynical beyond belief. She's the most <laughs> cynical child you can imagine. She reaches this like peak exasperation about things. You know, whether it's about going to see Father Christmas and she's literally going, but it's not the real Father Christmas. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> Why would anybody sit in there yeah. and the presents are rubbish as well yeah. mommy this is just I mean, she's brilliantly acerbic yeah. and I yeah, love yeah, that yeah. And, and they get really mm. entertaining I remember my like niece that. my niece is exactly the same age as your, as the, your the daughter you're talking yeah. about and I think I remember my sister telling me she'd had a conversation with her around election time whenever, whenever the hell the last election was yeah. uh, and she was telling her about suffrage you know the fact that women didn't used to have the vote and her reaction was just fantastic it was like, but that's but that's stupid <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. And she just couldn't get her head around yeah. it, like yeah. the idea. And you just, and it's really like it can be really illuminating. Yeah. You know it that is. kind of like almost coming at something without any previous bias. Yeah. That, that in a way that a child of that age does. 
Yeah. <laughs> they just light it up and you think, oh, yeah, well, of course it's true. And they, start to, and they start to reflect back to you all the bad stuff you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Like, so my, my girls repeatedly say, get off your phone, mommy. Okay. Get off yeah, your yeah, phone. Yeah. Get off your phone. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm sure at your parenting yeah. research conference the other day, they talked about bad parents like me who were slightly checking Instagram or Twitter. When yeah, we're they, we, I mean, I, we I do it all the yeah, time. Yeah, and my son looks off my phone and touches it and goes, mommy, because he knows... You're that's poor. how we have a conversation ah. when she's on her way home to know if she's going to be home in time for bedtime. Wow. It's a fascinating new interpretation yeah. of the Oedipus complex, isn't it? In many years, <laughs> that children are going to be <laughs> developing unnatural relationships with their mobile phones because no. they see it as their yeah. parents. Especially oh when we've wow. got like a, an Alexa, you know, where you speak yeah. and there's a voice that comes into the room and you say, Alexa, what's the time? And she'll talk. And he looks up. At this voice, I don't like that. I don't like that. That's, <laughs> That's well, what you're going to be talking to the psychologist about, yeah, not yeah, whether yeah. you've neglected them. But it's when he can he can't say it yet. But there was a column in I think one of one of our competitor newspapers where the, the dad was talking about his daughter being able to say Alexa and ask oh, for music crikey. and ask for like nursery rhymes oh, and all that kind of stuff. That's a whole well, there's a theory that we're not teaching them manners because of digital communication. Mm. Do you, have you heard this? So mm. you'd never say please to Alexa. No. Whereas oh, actually right. kids are learning now that you don't need to say please. If you say, <clears throat> you know, Alexa, play yeah. Michael Jackson, yeah. they hear that. They don't hear please. No. And so oh, there's an yeah. old generation of kids who are growing up with no yeah, manners. Yeah, that's true. Because you have to that's work true. harder to offset the digital. And they talk into that's their true. phones. Like, so my 14-year-old will dictate to his phone, you know, and he will do yeah. Siri and, yeah. you know, and they're not learning manners. No, we there's have a to gap in the, the market manners. here, isn't there? What, for some, for, for electrical devices, which expect please and like thank manners. you? <laughs> yeah. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, you, know? you get it quicker. A light bulb moment yeah. You get it quicker if you say, that's copyright, first time dad's yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're enjoying what you listen to, please do subscribe to the podcast, uh, guys. And uh, also send us your questions and comments and observations to First Time Dads at trinitymirror.com because uh, we do like hearing from you. Absolutely. All very helpful and very useful. But uh, changing the subject slightly, I, I felt I was really fascinated, and I know you've talked about this a lot in the past, so I'm sure you're happy to, to hear yeah. the question. But in terms of the accident James had, yeah. when, was that 2010? 2010. 2010, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, that was hugely serious. It must yeah. have been incredibly traumatic. So, for those of the people that don't yes. know about James' accident, he was cycling across America, and it was night, and he got hit by a lorry? He was, um, he was doing a trip for the Discovery Channel, okay. so it was off the back of having rode and got a couple of Olympic gold medals, and then he did uh, race the South Pole, race across the Atlantic, and he'd done the Marathon Day Saab. And so he was, and it was really, at the time when he got hit, he was the only endurance athlete in the world who could have done what he was doing, which was to cycle, run, swim, and row across America. It was, it was in the lead-up to 2012, mm. London Olympics. Mm. Yep. So using the Olympic disciplines to, to do that. And there was nobody at the time who could have done that. Nobody could have... You might have found someone who could run it, mm. but they couldn't row the Great mm. Lakes. You could mm. find a rower who could row the Great Lakes, but they couldn't have swam to the Statue of Liberty, mm. and etc. So he was at absolute peak physical fitness, and he got hit from behind on a bike. It was about 5 o'clock in the morning. He was on the hard shoulder, but this, this lorry wing mirror got him in the back of the head. And and it was it was really... He was so lucky to survive. If he hadn't had a helmet on, he'd be toast. He really would. Yeah. Um, but he woke up with... Well, he eventually woke up with a very significant brain injury, frontal lobe injury. Mm which affected his personality in all sorts of horrible ways. Um, and he became a kind of negative, uh, evil caricature of himself. So mm. if you take, if you think about your, all your worst characteristics and amplify those and take away the good stuff, mm. that's what someone with frontal okay. lobe injury. And from a, from a 
from a kind of parenting or specifically from a dad perspective which is obviously what we we talk about in the podcast that that sounds like my absolute worst nightmare i was awful i found out i was pregnant with number three 10 days after the accident so that that pregnancy was intense because james basically had no empathy and when do you need your partner to have empathy when you're pregnant no capacity for empathy at all he had no ability to pick up on social cues he had um Emotional ability, it's called, which is where he would either like laugh or cry inappropriately too much. It didn't. It luckily the acute period for him didn't last very long. Um, now seven mm. and a half years out from the accident, I'd say he's absolutely good as gold, right as rain. Right. So, mm-hmm. You know, better. In fact, he's a lot of him is actually nicer than before the accident because he wasn't <laughs> that nice before. Okay. Like, double Olympic gold medalists are not particularly nice. <laughs> they might yeah, be sexy, they might be attractive, they might be smart, they might be driven, yeah. they might be great company, but they're not very nice. And he's actually really nice now, which okay. is lovely. Um, but it was a very, very difficult five years. I would say a, five years was from really From a parenting hard. perspective, specifically for a, Did you feel like you were going, not wanting to put anything, but to almost like to a single parent? I remember sitting in the room with a psychologist in the hospital in London and I said to them, I feel like 10 years of good work has been undone. Because he'd become a bit like he was when I'd first met him, when he was a proper driven, focused, black and white athlete. Like Mm. the world was black and white Mm. to James. And that was what he became more like. Um, And I said, you know, is he ever going to be... you know, is he ever going to be decent again? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like all my hard work has been undone. And, and they were just like, well, we can't really tell you. We don't know. Um, he obviously didn't have the insight at the time mm. to know that there's anything wrong with him. He thought he was fine. It's only really now, seven and a half years later, where he will say, yeah, I can see how I, 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 this was inappropriate or that wasn't right or I misjudged that. He can right. see it now. Mm. But I say we've had two and a half years of, of good yeah. great company great. good behavior five years before that were hell mm. so really the first year five years of Trixie's life were incredibly difficult mm. it must be just a fairly unique situation for from a from a father's perspective it's just well, like I, yeah I, I guess maybe guys coming back from Afghanistan similar yeah. yeah there'll be all sorts of yeah similar and, and in a way it's um the hardest thing was him wanting to get it right so somebody said to me once, it sounds like marriage with the volume turned up. We wrote a book about it. We wrote Touching Distance mm. all about it. And a lot of that was about that first period after the mm. accident. And it was like marriage with the volume turned up because everything where you might be snapping at each other was a noisier fighting, you know, right. and all the little niggles. It was <coughs> just much more intense. And really, I, I had four children for quite a long mm. time. That was what it was like. The challenge with frontal lobe injury is for you to then get back on track as equals and as parents and as a couple, rather than you always being the person who's effectively mothering or yes. parenting yeah, the injured that makes party. Sense. That makes sense. But we've done all right. I'd say we're yeah. pretty much there now. Yeah. Does it feed back into what we were talking man. about earlier about the couple bit being the basic of what goes what goes on top of it? Totally. And I, uh, there's some analogy, isn't it, that people use about a tree, the oak tree, and if you're the couple is the tree and everything that goes off that is the family, mm. and if the tree isn't stable, and I don't know, I can't yeah. remember my metaphor. Sounds um, like it might work. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really should think that through before I use it again. Um, but, you know, and, and naturally, we, we've just worked quite hard to, to make sure that our relationship is okay. Because if that, the kids ultimately would quite like us to stay together. Yeah. I think they've had days when they're not that bothered. They'd be quite ambivalent. If I came home and said, I'm leaving daddy, they'd probably go, all right, fair enough. Um, but actually, I think on the whole, it's better for us to stay together mm. if we can, mm. even though it's incredibly difficult. So, um, you know, I think we've, we've, we're 17 years together now. Wow. 
And I remember when we first got together in 2000, not long after the Sydney Olympics, and everyone was like, oh, that won't last. And I think Heat magazine did a We Give It Two Weeks thing. Oh, great. She's you that girl a... off the telly doing I Formula like, One. I like the fact you stuck that stuck in the back yeah. of your yeah, 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 and yeah, we yeah. both such stubborn buggers. We're like, we'll prove you wrong. <laughs> I'm sure if Heat magazine hadn't run that, we'd probably have got divorced years ago. But that's been the incentive to prove yeah. people wrong. Um, yeah. And you know, and it's not perfect. And mm. I'm sure he would tell you I'm not perfect. Well, obviously that's not true. Um, but actually, you know, and it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult. Well, but we keep working on we, it. We got married in the summer, my wife and I. And I was reading about marriage and stuff like that, as you do, and because I'm kind of a weirdo. I'm sort of thinking about how would you make a marriage last and that kind of stuff. And I read a quote. And there was a quote from someone. I can't remember someone famous. Said, the way to make a marriage last is don't get divorced. Yeah. That's that's yeah. it. That's basically it. Don't yeah. don't get divorced. And it would be so easy, oh my word, it would have been so easy, especially in that first couple of years, to just walk out and just say, I can't do this. It would have been the easiest thing in the mm, world to mm. just do that. And now, in retrospect, I'm really glad that I didn't. Because ultimately, every relationship will go a bit mm, yeah. Like, even if you love them amazing, that passionate first sort of mm. couple of years, you will still get into the, mm. it will, the, you know, yeah. you will have times when you just irritate the hell out of each other. Mm. And as long as you can just keep a general respect, do you know what it is? You've got to keep making each other laugh. Mm. That's important. It's the most important thing. James is really funny. And actually, that was one of the things that went, his sense of humour went completely mm. for about three years. He couldn't get jokes and he couldn't make them. Mm. And he didn't get any of my gags. <laughs> I was hilarious for three years and he had absolutely mm. no idea. You know, and actually, that was the worst Thing, that was what I really missed. But he's funny again now, and that gives us hope. Uh, what the thing I'm, I'm thinking of now, in terms of everything we've just speaking about for the last what we've been doing this for 35 minutes, is in a nutshell, there's no such thing as the perfect marriage, no. and there's no such thing as the perfect parent. Mm. Somebody said that to me recently when I was telling them about the podcast. Actually, when we were talking about it at length, and he said, and I was talking about part of it being, you know, the pressure of trying to do everything right, and he yeah. just said to me very simply. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. No, there's not. And actually, I, it was the it was one of those ones where, well, of course there's not. But then I stopped and thought about it. I thought I haven't thought about that before. Mm. And it's yeah. true, isn't it? There it's is true. It's like in the same way that you can't be a perfect husband, you can't be a perfect no. wife, you can't be a perfect mother, you can't be a perfect father. No, you can't. And as soon as you actually accept that, that's half the battle. I think, I think. Yeah. I think that's right. But I think that's where we come from. Hopefully, yeah. listeners will confirm this that we're just talking about it and offering some solidarity and we're not judging anybody and we're not yeah. telling them what to do. We're maybe giving people some ideas that they didn't have before or confirming somebody who's thinking they're going in a particular route, yeah. but not, you know, not it's judging It's just about anybody. being good enough. There's a famous child yeah. psychologist, Bowlby, who talks about, you know, who studied lots of kids, and so you just need to be good enough. And yeah. I think Good enough is good enough. Good enough mm. is good enough. And it is that, that sort of, you know, that I, I genuinely, I keep coming back in my head to what my mom said about twice as many cuddles. Yeah. You can give them loads of tellings off, mm. you can give them loads of discipline, you can upset them 50 times a day, mm. but as long as you hug them 100 times a day, by the time they go to sleep, they'll be fine with you. They will yeah. still like you. And also, I think what, what you just made me think about then was that how you interact with your partner in terms of whether you are on the same page or not mm. and what different strengths and qualities you bring to that child mm. so you may not be the individual perfect parent but you can probably get pretty close to perfect mm. as a couple yeah and in and in in my case it was and we me and James again don't always get it right we used to before the accident I think we were, we were a bit more united whereas now we have a bit more sometimes we struggle a bit to be united um, because inevitably after the accident he would be irrationally angry and he would we definitely, he definitely wasn't doing twice as many cuddles, and so I would sometimes have to step in and be the an ally to Croyd and yeah. protect him from Dad. Kids spot a chink in yeah. the armor and they see a division between out. you, yeah. and then they really try and work that 
crack yeah. open. They sort well, of always the things through that. You, know, I ask, you ask mum for if you can yeah. do something, mm. and then you ask dad, yeah. and whichever one you get the answer from yeah. that you want is the yeah. one that you, yeah. you go that with. That chasm, and they, could, they really can, can crack it open. And I think it's absolutely paramount to be on the same page when mm. it comes to children and how you parent them. And it's about, I guess, what... I always think is really valuable and I see it in my own house is that if I'm getting really angry with the kids I need James to step in and calm it down mm. and if he's getting wound up I want to come in and calm it down there's nothing worse than one parent's losing their shit mm. which we all do mm. and the other one comes in and he goes right what's happening here then why are you doing that to your mother and then it all goes up and up and up and up yeah. and I think as a pair as a couple if you can learn to sort of mitigate the other's inadequacies yeah. yes. you can be alright and just use my own parents as an analogy again is that my mum was very much the driving force pushing us pushing us pushing us she was the strict disciplinarian my dad was very very calm and very loving and very sweet and continues to be and my my brother once summed it up beautifully he said mum was the waves pushing us on and pushing us on and I mean literally he went swam at the Olympics I mean she was that mother mum was the waves pushing us on and dad was the rock to cling to that's and nice. it was such a beautiful mm, yeah. metaphor. Yeah, and nice. I think throughout the day, as parents, we all, all have to... Sometimes you've got to be the rock to cling to, which mm. is just a cuddle and no judgment and yeah. not necessarily advice and just hang out with them. And then some days you've got to be the rocket up their ass getting them mm. to do their homework yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know, go to mm. bed bustle, or bustle, pick bustle, up their toys yeah. or chivvy, chivvy, chivvy. Yeah. You know, you've got to be... And between you, I think, if you can get the balance mm. right, the kids are pretty much know where they stand then. Yeah, and it's, well, it sounds like as well from what you're saying, the way that you do that is by having a bit of time for each other. Yeah. Because then you can have your little mental board meeting with each other, right, how are we going, well, this is coming up on the horizon, how are we going to deal with this? Yeah. What's your little, and so you're, all on the, you're on the same page rather yeah. than, I know, I know it's hard because everyone's time poor, mm. but doing it on the hoof. Yeah. Making decisions on the hoof is or, never a good idea. And I think forward planning is so important, especially if you like going to, especially with, I don't know when this is going out, but Christmas coming up, um, you know, or any sort of big family event, in, and those are potential flashpoints. Mm. Especially if you're travelling with babies as well, mm, yeah. and you're going to stay at a relative's yeah. house, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you're conscious that what if the baby wakes the whole family up in the middle yep. of the night, and are yeah. we going to have enough stuff? Yep. And planning and planning, and between you, working out some sort of strategy that if it's in the middle of Christmas dinner, and guess what, baby, which they will inevitably yeah. wake up yeah. just as you pick your fork up to your mouth. Yeah, that's yeah, when yeah. they will start to scream. Mm. Who's going to be the one to maybe yeah, put down their glass of wine? Deal let their turkey get cold yeah. and go and spend four yeah. or five minutes upstairs with them. and don't be afraid as well I think to ask family to get involved mm. because most family will want to help but they don't know what to do mm. and this is one of the things we talk about on the course with life with a newborn is friends will say to you and family Can, do you need anything can I help and we are so British that yeah. we go, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. no we're fine, not. we're yeah. fine, everything's fine. Never say no to offers of help when you've got yes. babies. What the heck are you doing? <laughs> Even if it's just saying, do you know what? Would you mind just picking me up a lasagna I can stick in the t- yeah. in the in the oven yeah. tonight for yeah. the kids? Yeah. That or you know for the wife and people go, of course I will. Yeah. You know, and they want to help, they want to do yeah. stuff, but we just have to be really clear with our expectations. Yeah. That sounds right. That sounds right. It's very mm. interesting. I think we, we, we're probably coming towards the end of our time for this one. But all of this has reminded me of a meme that I think when uh, that I've seen a few times actually. It's that one where there's a big list of things you're expected to do. I think it says a mother, but it uh, yeah. applies to both. Parents. As a parent, as a parent in tw- you know in the 21st century, and it's this big long list of things. You know, gen- um, gen- no GM foods and this oh, and that yeah. and the other, and psychological oh, care and blah yeah, blah 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 blah. Yeah. And then it's a massive long list, and at the bottom it says things you're expected to do as a parent before the 21st century. Keep them alive. 
and happy. Totally. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And actually, it kind of did. That that really resonated with me in the sense that yes, because at the end of the day, that is what it is about. And so much of this is a modern construct. This all this yeah. nonsense that we had. We're it's supposed a to modern do or not construct do. which has made some people very very rich. Yeah. That's what we have to remember. Yeah. Really, it's all about encouraging parents to feel bad about stuff, so they buy books like mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so you're part of the evil circle. So that here. they yeah. um, the evil so must read on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Must buy, must read. It is very. I have to say, it is very good. And actually, what I find the feedback that I find it's it's A to Z format, so that you can dip in and out of mm-hmm. it. And the one of the most the most rewarding feedback I'd say that I get is from dads. It's from the mums who say, "For God's sake, I bought it. We went on holiday. Dad started to read mm-hmm. it. I couldn't get it off in more week because it's light-hearted. It's it's fairly jovial. You know, it's not judgmental. It, uh, it, it educates about every single type of birth. It helps you to get the mm-hmm. best out of the NHS critically." Um, it prepares you for a little bit with life with a newborn and you can just dip into it so if there is a particular P for partners which is physical practical and emotional advice for dads to be um, but actually I mean it's all, it's all Steve, available Steve from all, all good, good bookshops the happy birth books Steve is, Steve is clutching it as we speak yeah. and there's no doubt about to go away and pour really over did. it yeah. <laughs> and even though you think you might know it all from first time round no, you don't know no no we don't know anything no, but anyone, yeah, anyone who's listened to any of these podcasts will know we don't know we know nothing yeah, thanks very much for coming thanks, oh, thanks yeah, it's guys been really I've loved good, it really, Anytime. really interesting chat so um Yes, uh, thanks to everyone out there for listening. Please, um, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, please do so. Um, I promise it's worthwhile. And it's free. Uh, and uh, yes, I, I guess, Steve, anything to add? No, no. <laughs> no, 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 no that's no, about it, no. really. I'm going to go uh, home and start with... uh, making a list of things to buy for baby number two. Steve's got a lot to do over the you next few months. Need much. Put a list on the fridge for things you need your wife to know. That's much more important. Okay. Nice. About how you're feeling about yes. it. Right. Lots of lovey-dovey messages. That's the, that's the key. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in next time, and uh, we'll see you then. Cheers. We'll see you then. Cheers. We'll see you then.